Good morning. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I spoke last year on Father's Day, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm still the youngest father in this assembly. So some people need to step up, Justin. Um, we'll, uh, we will, um, we'll actually be, uh, last year wasn't, wasn't a typical uh, Father's Day message, um, uh, but this year, um, I believe the Lord's laid on my heart, and uh, the, the portion that we will be looking at um, definitely touches on fathers, uh, their, ro- their roles in the house, but more importantly, uh, leadership uh, in, in the, the assembly of God and the church of God, and, and how it pertains to revival. Um, <clears throat> so if we could uh, turn our Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles, we'll be beginning in chapter 28. Second Chronicles, and uh, we'll be starting in chapter 28. Um, and before we get started, let's just uh, look to the Lord one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, we just um, want to thank you once again uh, for the time and the opportunity we have each week to remember your Son. Father, for that uh, sacrifice that was made on our behalf, and Father, that love that um, knows no measure. Um, Father, we will uh, spend the rest of eternity um, attempting to understand what that uh, what that love was, and and how much you truly loved us. Um, Father, we are thankful for this morning and the time we uh, will have to spend in your Word. Father, we just pray that uh, you would speak uh, through me. Um, Father, uh, we pray for uh, clarity of thought and of speech. And Father, we pray ultimately. Uh, that your message is given. And we just pray these things and ask a a time of blessing in your son's worthy and precious name. Amen. Um, The book of 2 Chronicles uh, is, is as I've been reading uh, through through the Bible, is a book that kind of took me a while um, because I just had to continue to read and reread each story. There's just uh, so much in each. as, as we all know that the book of Kings, uh, there is a parallel uh, to the book of Chronicles. Uh, the same uh, stories or, or kings are covered in that book as well. Uh, the book of Kings uh, focuses more on the political aspect of, of, of the kings and, and uh, their political reign. And uh, the book of Chronicles takes a little bit deeper look at, into their, the spiritual life of these kings. And so that's where we'll be uh, taking uh, a look this morning, although we will be referencing both. Um, in Second Chronicles 28 and uh, in verse 19, uh, we are introduced to a character, and it says, For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. Um, here we have this, uh, this wicked king, um, this king that did not uh, put the Lord first, put himself first, and, and we will see the result of this in, in verse 22. Now, in the time of, this, of his distress, King Ahab became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. That is that king, that is that king Ahaz, for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods 
of the kings of Syria help them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all of Israel. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every single city of Judah. He made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Now, uh, in the rest of the Acts and all the ways from first to last, indeed, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Ahaz rested with his fathers, and they burned him, and they buried him in the city in Jerusalem. But they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. Um, not a very uh, comforting uh, way to start out a, f- a Father's Day message. Um, but again, I think there's a very strong warning um, that we see in the book of Kings of father and son relationships, um, as well as discipleship and kings that took over for other kings. And we see, um, and, and we have some very um, important uh, uh, principles that need to be established in order for uh, the son or the, the, the king that is coming in to take, to take over. Um, Hezekiah, as we read, took over for his dad. Um, Israel uh, and Judah in particular was in a very low place at this point um, because of the way Ahaz had led the kingdom. Uh, he not only did not follow the Lord, but he set up um, places of worship, the high places, and, and we will be looking at those a little bit later, but he set up these high places, and not only that, not only did he turn his back on the Lord, um, but he vandalized the house of God. And, and, he, and he cast out the articles that were in the temple. Um, oftentimes our heart goes out to leaders that uh, get dealt a bad hand. They step into an administration that is sinking, and we, our, our heart kind of goes out to them. And this is, this is in, in fact, where Hezekiah took over. Um, nobody would have blamed Hezekiah for just following in his father's footsteps, um, especially um, I see it every day at work. Um, you have... Uh, a father and a, and a mother who are, who are gang members, who are, are into crime, and they have multiple kids, and those kids are raised in this, in this area, in this lifestyle. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for them to break away from that when, they, when their only example that they have in their life is, is their, their father and mother. So we, uh, if, had Hezekiah fallen into this, um, this path that Ahaz had gone, we, we, couldn't, have, we couldn't have blamed him. Um, no doubt Hezekiah saw that what his father was doing wasn't working. Um, in uh, chapter 29, and uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Verse 2, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Uh, Hezekiah decided to take a stand. He decided that what his father had done, the ways of, uh, that he was brought up were wrong, and he decided to follow the Lord and follow his ancestors, uh, being, being King David, and, and all the ways of David. Um, there's there's uh, several things that he does 
um, in his administration and in his role as king that I think that um, will apply to us uh, here in, in, in the assembly and, and in God's church as a whole. Uh, beginning in, in verse 3, it says, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of God, your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord, our God. They have forsaken him. They have turned their face away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule, put out the lamps, and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of God fell on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering, as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, our daughters, our wives are in captivity. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord of God, uh, the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. We see... Um, we see the, the state of Israel and, and Judah. There's turmoil. There's, there's war. Uh, there's rumors of war. Uh, there's persecution. Um, things aren't going well. There's, not, there's no prosperity. And um, because of this, Israel is lost. And, and it's because of the leadership of their king. Um, it's because of this King Ahaz and what he has done. Um, in Deuteronomy 28, and, and we won't uh, look at it for the sake of time, but... Um, we have uh, a message given from God to Moses on how to live, on how to obey, and the, 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 the result of obedience. There's, there's a tremendous time of blessing, and if you follow the, the um, ordinances, the statutes, the laws that God has set up, there is a time of blessing. Um, and that's verses 1 through 14. Verses 15 through 68, the rest of the chapter, um, are the curses um, that come because of disobedience. No doubt Hezekiah would have been familiar with this and would have put two and two together, uh, would have seen and taken a look at his kingdom and, and seen just the, uh, the, um, all the problems that were going on and, and seen uh, how, uh, how far they were from God. Uh, there was a promise made to Solomon during the dedication of the temple that I'd like to take a look at, and that's in Second Chronicles, chapter seven. Now, I can be—I—I I, I would appreciate correction on this, but from what I understand, uh, King Hezekiah most likely would not have had this with him unless uh, the kings had kept some sort of record, um, because it was—it wasn't that long ago. Um, more than likely, uh, the, the book of the law would have been uh, the Pentateuch. And so um, Hezekiah wouldn't have necessarily known this unless there was some sort of record. But I believe this, this, uh, this portion here summarizes uh, very nicely uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Um, and if we look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, and beginning in verse 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, 
I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Then I will shut up heaven. When I, when I will shut up heaven and there is no rain or, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. Um, this, this more than likely would have led to uh, the conviction that was in Hezekiah's life. Again, not knowing personally if he had this portion with him or if he was just looking at Deuteronomy, um, but this would have led to conviction of the sin that was in, that was in the camp, that was in the children of Israel. Um, there's, a, there's a quotation by uh, Barton Payne. It says, This great verse, the best known in all chronicles, expresses, as does no other in Scripture, God's requirement for national blessing. Whether in Solomon's land, in Ezra's, or in our own, those who believe must forsake their sins, turn from the life that is cent uh, centered in self, and yield to God's word and will. Then, and only then, will heaven send revival. Uh, this verse uh, has been on my heart and on my mind um, for uh, a little over a year. Uh, it keeps coming back. It keep, I, during my reading, during my thoughts, this verse keeps coming up. And it, uh, it's centered around verse 14. And just that opening word, if, it means it's conditional. It means if you hold up your side of the bargain, God will hold up his. And it says, if my people who are called by my name, and, and you have to be his, you have to be in the family of God, and you have to be called by his name. Um, that being said, we are, those who are called and those who do bear his name are representatives. We are representatives of Christ, and um, we, we, we need to uh, live life as such. It says, um, if my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves. Um, there is a, a tremendous sense of humility when we come into the presence of God. When we see ourselves in the light of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, um, we can't help but humble ourselves. Um, but we need to come into that presence. We need to, um, to be there. Um, uh, the story is said, and, it, and, and I'm sure many of you guys know this, of a young man who was praying in a, in a prayer meeting, and he prayed out loud, um, humble me, Lord. And an older, more wiser man in the back says, uh, don't do it, Lord. Let him humble himself. And uh, I think we could uh, glean and, and probably share some stories of times in our lives where the Lord has tremendously humbled us. Um, because we were not willing to humble, humble ourselves. Um, we are to humble ourselves um, before an almighty God um, and pray. We are to pray, to communicate with God, and to, to, to speak to him. And uh, we, speaking, we speak to him through prayer, and it says, and seek my face, and that's in the word of God. We are to seek his face in the word. Um, it says... Uh, and turn from their wicked ways. Uh, this is repentance, uh, true repentance. 
is uh, turning to God from your sin and not going back. And that's the repentance that the Lord wants. Um, and, and in the middle of this verse, we have the promise. It's, it picks up where it says, Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Um, he will listen. And this actually comes to play later in Hezekiah's uh, story. Um, he will listen. When we have humbled ourselves, when we are um, praying, when we are seeking God's face, he will listen to us. He will forgive us. He is uh, ready and willing to forgive us um, if we confess our sins, as we read in 1 John. Um, and he will heal their land. And that's the time of restoration. That's the time of revival that we will be looking for um, in Hezekiah. Um, originally, I had wanted to take Hezekiah, uh, Manasseh, Amon, and, and Josiah, but I think that's just a little too much for one meeting. So, uh, Lord willing, next time we will look at those, those other men. Um, but we see a, a tremendous time of restoration in the, within the children of Israel and in Judah because of this revival. Uh, turning back to 2 Chronicles 29. Second Chronicles 29, and uh, picking up in verse 12, we have, um, we have Hezekiah in the first order of business. The first thing that he um, decides to do is to um, cleanse the house, to repair the temple that his father had destroyed, um, and to, to carry out the rubbish, as we read earlier. And... Uh, Verses, uh, we will pick up in verse 15. It says, And they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. Then the priest, verses 16, went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the debris that, was, uh, that they found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it um, to the uh, brook of Kidron. Um, they take the trash out. That's what happens. They take the trash out. They repair the articles that have been destroyed. Um, they uh, restore all the vandalism that was done. And they cleanse the house of the Lord. How does this apply to us? Um, I'd like to look quickly at, at a portion in Ephesians chapter 2. As they, as they cleansed the house, um, and it, my thoughts and my, my mind went to Ephesians chapter 2, and beginning in verse 19, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole assembly, building uh, being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are the temple of God. We have we have taken that place. Um, we no longer uh, need to meet in a specific building. 
Um, something that we've been looking at in Bible study and, and considering in high school class, if this, burning, if this building was to burn to the ground, um, we would just simply meet in the parking lot. Um, other religions, other uh, denominations, they need to meet in a specific, specific building. They need certain order, and, and uh, we have our order, but we don't need the building. We are uh, the building, and uh, we are uh, the dwelling place of, of the Spirit of God. So this being said, if we are the temple and, uh, or the dwelling place of the Spirit, we too need to be cleansed. Um, uh, there, there, is, there is sin and, and rubbish and trash that surrounds us on a daily basis. Um, I, I need to be careful how we say this, and I don't want to uh, misspeak in any way, um, but the, the Bible is very clear that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin past, present, and future, um, and there is, there is nothing that can hinder that. When you become a child of God, when you uh, enter that relationship with Jesus Christ and become a child of God, um, there's nothing that can separate that. There's no sin that can separate that. All is paid for, um, and it's just like a relationship between a father and son. Um, there's nothing that I can do um, to not be Dave Dixon's son. Um, but that being said, um, just because I can't break that relationship, there's, there's a, a fellowship that we enjoy that if I do something, um, I can hinder that fellowship, and, and then it's not enjoyed. Um, Jesus teaches, uh, teaches us how to cleanse each other, and, and uh, we won't look to it uh, for the sake of time, but in, in John chapter 13, um, we have a, a story and a lesson uh, given to us by Christ, and it's the washing of the feet. Um, Jesus um, uh, girds himself with an apron and goes around and washes all the disciples' feet. And um, in John chapter 13, um, and, uh, beginning in verse 8, it says, uh, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I, do not wash, uh, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but, um, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew uh, who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Uh, dropping down to verse uh, 14. Uh, if then your Lord and teacher um, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Um, this, this is a sometimes mistaken portion of Scripture, but what Jesus lays out in verse 10 says that once you are bathed, once you are clean, and he's speaking to the disciples, all the disciples except for one, um, and that, that bath that they took was the bath of salvation. Um, in, in their culture, going, going to the bathhouse and then walking back to your home, um, you would be clean except for your feet. Um, my thoughts always go to Yosemite. You know, you go take a shower at Yosemite, and then you walk back to your campsite, and your feet are all dirty, um, and then you need to wash your feet again. Um, do I need to re-shower? No, I, I'm clean. Um, and, and, that's, and that's the picture, and that's the, the message Jesus uh, uh, points out here, that you are clean. You have been uh, bathed with salvation. 
but your feet are dirty, and you need to wash each other's feet. Um, how, are to, how are we to wash um, each other's feet? By fellowship, by the washing of the word, uh, and, and that's how we are to, to share that with each other. And, and that, is, that is done um, through the, um, the times uh, in Acts 2.42, uh, the time of breaking of bread, of uh, prayer, of fellowship, and of teaching. And, and this is how we are to wash each other's feet um, and, and to cleanse each other. Um, he was telling them that they should keep each other clean by constant fellowship over the word. If one sees his brother growing cold or worldly, he should lovingly exhort him from the Bible. And that is how we clean each other and wash each other's feet. Uh, turning back to Second uh, Chronicles, uh, we have the restoration of the temple. And once the temple is clean, and uh, we'll be in uh, chapter 29. Once the temple is clean and all the trash is taken out, there, the, uh, the time of worship needs to begin. And we see a restoration of worship in the house of God. Um, A.W. Tozer uh, wrote a book, and it's uh, titled, Whatever Happened to Worship? And I read it many years ago. Uh, one of the thoughts and, and, and the themes of the book was that um, we as human beings are wired to worship. We are designed to worship something. That's why you can go into the deepest, darkest jungle that has no public contact with anything, anybody, and they are worshiping something. Well, who told them to worship? Um, and, and we are designed by God to worship. And we are, um, we are designed by God to worship him. And that's why we were created, to give God worship. Um, in verse uh, 24 of chapter 29, it says, And the, uh, and the priest killed them, uh, being, being, the sin offering and the, uh, being the sin offering, and the priest killed them, and they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering be made for all Israel. This was something that needed to be done before anything else could be done a sin offering, atonement made for the children of Israel because they had wandered so far away from the Lord. Um, a, 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 um, a sacrifice that had not been done for some time. Um, in verse, dropping down to verse 27, it says, Then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the, on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began with the trumpets and with the instruments of of uh, David, king of Israel. In verse 28, so all the assembly worshipped. The singers uh, sang and the trump trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. In verse 29, and when the offering had finished, uh, and when they had finished the offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshipped. Uh, when, the, when the singers, uh, when the burnt offering was placed onto the, uh, the altar and when it began, singing started. The instruments were played. Um, all the assembly, all that were present, worshipped God. And when the offering was complete, all bowed in worship. Um, there's a very, there's a distinction here between singing and worship. Um, a lot of times today we get mixed up with that. We, we, uh, we have worship teams. Um, I feel that we all, all are on the worship team. <laughs> we, all, we all get to participate in worship, and that doesn't mean uh, just singing, and we have that distinction here. Um, 
Doesn't this remind you of something? Something that took place not too, too long ago, a couple minutes ago. Um, a time where we are gathered around the Lord's table to remember, to sing, uh, to remember what he has done. Um, they, as they offered this burnt offering, they were looking forward to something. And, and we, in the morning, we are looking back to something. Um, and our hearts bow in worship to a living God. And I believe that this is, uh, this is essential to church revival. This is essential to, to uh, any change that is going to take place within the church, that we are in constant remembrance of what the Lord has done. Um, we have that song, um, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the, the temptations and the sin that, that hindered us from, from following the Lord, they grow strangely dim. Um, uh, one thing, and, and dropping down to, to verse 31, it says, And Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord, so the assembly brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a willing heart brought um, burnt offerings. Um, we can hear messages, we can read books, and we can look at commentaries until we're blue in the face. The only thing that is going to change anything in the church of God is a willing heart. Um, uh, couple weeks ago speaking on evangelism and and one thing that really rung out to me uh, listening to Chris Schroeder is and, and he said it um, the church doesn't need another commentary what we need is a, a, a dose of passion a passion for God a passion for those that are lost and, and a willingness to serve the Lord um, we are to bring sacrifices to him this isn't just an Old Testament uh, ritual we too also bring sacrifices to the Lord. In, in Romans 12:1, a very uh, well-known verse, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, uh, a, a living sacrifice or a sacrifice in, in, in this, this time, um, did they only cut off the arm and put the arm on the altar? Or just the head? Or just the legs? They, they offered up the entire bull, the entire sheep, um, and um, this is the picture for us. You know, we, we oftentimes like to compartmentalize our life. You know, well, I'll give the Lord this and that, and this, this portion will be mine. And that's not what we have in, in Romans 12.1. We have a living sacrifice. The whole body needs to be given to the Lord, our, our, our mind, our body, and our, and our soul and our spirit. Um, uh, moving on, there was a call to revival. Once, once uh, the temple was fixed, once the, the, the temple was cleansed and uh, re uh, worship was restored, there was a call given to all of Judah for revival. And we have that in, in chapter 30. Um, Hezekiah restores, and, and uh, just, for, uh, just for reference, we'll look at um, chapter 29, verse 35. It says, also, the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and with the drink offerings and every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. 
Hezekiah had restored the order that was, that was forsaken by King Ahaz. He had, he, had, he had brought the priests and the Levites back, and now it's time to call the children back into the house of God and back into fellowship. And he sends out messengers. Uh, it says that he, um, he sends out mes- messengers from, in verse, uh, in verse 5, it says, So they resolved to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan. Um, Dan being at the, uh, the very north and Beersheba being all the way at the south. Everybody was given the invitation. Um, and his message was um, starting in verse 6. It says, Then runners went throughout all Judah with letters from the king of the, and, and his leaders um, and spoke according to the commandment of the king. Children of Israel, return to the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Then he will return to the remnant of you uh, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. And do not let your fathers and your brethren uh, who trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers so that he gave them up to desolation, as you see. Now do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, with his sanct- which, is, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be uh, treated with compassion by those who led them captive, so that they may come back to his land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. What a beautiful message that he brings to all the children of Israel. Turn back to God. He is merciful no matter how far you've wandered from the Lord. He is merciful. He is, he is gracious and willing and, and he won't turn his face from you if you turn to him. We have the order in, in, in uh, 2 Chronicles uh, 14. Uh, we have a mixed reaction uh, from this message, as we always do. In verse 10, it says, um, as the runners passed, it says, uh, some laughed and mocked. Some, some, some pushed them aside and said, I don't need this. Uh, verse 11, nevertheless, some Nevertheless, some. Throughout the entire scripture, we always have a remnant. We have a remnant that follows the Lord, that comes back to the Lord. Um, and that, I believe, is, is where we are today. Nevertheless, some came. Um, uh, what was the result of those who humbled themselves? We have it in verse 12. Also, the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the kings of the leaders at the word of the Lord. Their, the, the hand of the Lord was upon them. And we see this in our lives. Um, when we are following the Lord, um, his hand is upon us. Um, we have his protection. Um, we have um, his provision. And, and we see this. And, and the, the, the phrase or the thought that jumped out in this to me was that phrase, singleness of heart. They were all with one accord. And this is something we've been enjoying in uh, Bible study on Monday nights, looking in Acts um, and chapter 2, and the, how the, um, the early church, uh, there was a sense of unity. They're, they were always in one accord. They, always, they, they all prayed together. 
And that sense of unity, the result of it was in Acts 2, um, uh, 47. And the, the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Um, because of that unity, because of the way they sought the Lord. Um, as he restored uh, worship, he, he institutes the first Passover that is, uh, that is to take place, that hasn't been taking place for some time. And um, it's a tremendous event. Uh, uh, they roll out, uh, they, they pull all the stops, they roll out all the, 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 the nicest things. Everybody is, is, is willing uh, to, to meet, and we have this, this, this group, and, it, and it's a, a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous crowd that is gathered to, to uh, remember the Passover, and, it, and we see a, just a tremendous time of blessing. And um, if you look in uh, chapter 30, verse 22, it says, And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord of their fathers. Verse 23, And then the whole assembly agreed to keep the feast another seven days. And they kept it another seven days with gladness. I think we've all been in this place before, where we are enjoying a time of conference, a time of fellowship, a time of remembrance, and you just don't want it to end. Um, they all agreed to stay. They all agreed that the, the crops can wait, um, the dishes will be done later, um, and we are going to sit here for another seven days and remember the Lord in Passover. Um, again, this is, this is what is enjoyed during the time of revival, during that time of, of, of bringing these people back. Um, uh, real quickly, uh, we are going to go jump to... Uh, uh, chapter 31. And this is the result of this Passover. This is the result of the cleansing of the temple, the re restoration of worship, the call to revival. What do we have? Verse 31. Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke down the sacred pillars in pieces, cut down the wooden images, and threw down the high places and the altars, from all of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, and until they had utterly destroyed them all, then all the children of Israel returned to their own cities, every man to his possessions. The tearing down of the high places. Uh, this is something that uh, the Lord has really been emphasizing uh, in my life. Um, after their heart was in tune to God and, and there was a refocus, a reconnection with the living God, their eyes were opened to the idols and the high places that were in their lives. Um, before, they probably just would have walked right past them and not even thought twice. But now, after spending time um, with God, spending time with his people, spending time in the word of God, their eyes are open to the things that are in their lives that are hindering them from, from truly following the Lord. And they rem removed and destroyed these sacred pillars in these high places. Um, what were the high places referred to here? Um, and, and we see it throughout the entire book of Chronicles, the high places were the places of pagan worship, the places where um, the pagan gods, and, and especially uh, for King Ahab, King Ahaz, we have the Assyrian, or the Syrian gods, and in, uh, for King Manasseh and King Amon, we have the Assyrian gods. And um, it, basically, the culture that was around them. 
you know, what everybody else was doing. That's what we set up. And that's what they did, these evil kings, these, this pagan worship. And, and it really just spoke to me. Uh, what are the high places that are in my life? What are the idols that are in my life? Um, and we, we all know this very well. An idol is, is not simply just a, a golden image that is in our house. An idol is anything, anything that comes between us and God. Um, our thoughts uh, immediately go to sin, rightly so. We have, uh, you know, drugs, sex, um, uh, outside of marriage, and, and, and evil things that this world promotes today. Um, in Ephesians 5, 3, um, it says, But fornication and all unclean, uncleansiness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. And we know this. We know that we need to put that away, and that, is, that shouldn't even be named among the, the people of God. But what else could be an idol in our life? What else could hinder us from following the Lord? Um, what about things that aren't necessarily defined as sin in the Bible? Um, a job, school, relationships, entertainment. We have TV and music. Um, most shows are full of sin. Most commercials are full of sin. You can't turn on the TV for a second without seeing some, something that would be dishonoring to the Lord. Uh, sports or, or working out, hobbies, uh, things that aren't necessarily bad. You know, jobs aren't bad. School isn't bad. Relationships are not bad if they're all done uh, to glorify and honor the Lord. Um, but what are the things that come between you and God? They need to be torn down. In Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. These, these weights, these sins, these, these things in our lives that aren't necessarily evil in and of themselves, if they come between us and the Lord, they are. They hinder us from following him. They hinder us from walking with him. Um, what happens when we don't remove these things in our lives? What's the result? Um, let's jump over real quickly to Second uh, Kings. Second Kings chapter 15. This is the result of not tearing down the high places in your life. Second Kings chapter 15 and beginning in verse 32. In the second year... Uh, of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, uh, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became the king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok, and he uh, did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This man actually followed the Lord. Um, uh, he did what was right according, um, and he did what was right according uh, in the sight of the Lord, and he did according to all that his father Isaiah had done. However, verse thirty-five, the high places were not removed. The people sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, and he built the tower, uh, the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Um, uh, Jotham follows the Lord; he does what's right in the eyes of the Lord, but he refuses or does not tear down these high places. He leaves them in his life. Um, the result is what we have in, in uh, if you just turn the page to 2 Kings uh, 
16, verse 1. In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through fire, according to the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and on every green tree. He sacrificed, he burned incense, and he worshipped false idols on the same high places that his father didn't tear down. His father followed the Lord, but there were things in his life that he could not get rid of, that he, that he refused to tear down. Um, this would be a warning to all of us fathers. Um, again, I, you know, Drake's only a year and a half. Uh, I, I have a lot to, of growing up to do as a father and a lot to learn, um, but this speaks volumes to me. Um, what are the things in my life that are, that are weights and sin that I need to tear down so that he doesn't grow up and follow them? Um, this is to fathers that have um, older sons, sons that have, that have moved on. You know, th- those, those things that are in your life that, again, aren't necessarily sin, um, your son is going to follow those things. You know, dad liked to go hunting and fishing and camping and... Um, you know, Danny and I followed suit. You know, we love to do those things. And it's because Dad liked to do those things. Those are things that Dad enjoyed. Um, and, and that's typically what happens. A son will, will, will follow his father and, and mimic his father. Um, so, it, so being fathers and mothers and leaders in this assembly, we need to make sure that these young ones aren't grabbing hold of these high places that are in our lives, that they follow us like Paul says, as he followed the Lord. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's how we are to live. Um, and uh, just in closing, real briefly, uh, true revival um, takes place. Um, going back in, in chapter 31. True revival takes place. After the, the high places are torn down, uh, uh, Worship and uh, the temple, worship is restored and the temple is built back up. In, in chapter 31 and verse 20, it says, Then Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, uh, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, and so he prospered. Um, Hezekiah did what was right before the Lord. He, he followed the Lord, followed the, the, the example that was set out before him by his, um, by his ancestors, by King David and King Solomon. Um, and it says, as he began uh, a certain service, he sought the Lord. He, sought to, he, he, he was seeking the face of God in that, and he did it with all of his heart. And as we begin uh, the summer seasons, the, the VBS and the camps and, and all the programs, um, may this be a message to us as well, that we would seek to follow the Lord in these things, that we would do it with all of our heart, um, and, and we would be that living sacrifice that gives our entire body to God, and that um, as a result, um, God would hear us, he would hear our prayers, and he will heal um, the land and, and restore um, the church that he has set up.
Uh, let's just close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we again thank you for uh, your word. Father, for this, um, this example we have in the life of Hezekiah. Father, how he, although was raised um, having an evil father, he uh, chose not to follow in the footsteps of his dad, but he chose to follow the footsteps of uh, godly men and godly examples uh, that, were in, uh, that were in the word. Father, may we do the same. Father, may we follow um, these godly examples, uh, the godly men and women that are in our lives. Father, we pray for a time of revival. We pray, Lord, that your uh, church would be cleansed. Father, that true worship would be, um, would be brought back. Father, that you would receive the worship and the glory and the honor that's meet. And Father, we pray for a time of revival in the church a time of fellowship, a time of rejoicing around you and your, and your word. Uh, Father, we just pray that uh, you would bless uh, these, these thoughts uh, to our hearts. And we ask um, for safety for the rest of the day and a time of fellowship this afternoon. Um, we also lift up Justin and Nick uh, tonight as they bring us your word. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.